Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Welcome to Newsweek's Foreign Service. I'm Josh Lowe. And I'm Marin Gedda. And each week we look at the big stories from the US and what they mean for the rest of the world. So this week we're discussing the Supreme Court and how important it's going to be in determining the next US president because Josh, as I'm sure you know, whoever gets elected will definitely be appointing one Supreme Court justice because there's currently a vacancy on the bench and they may be appointing up to three other justices as well. So it's a hugely, hugely important issue but one that I think has been somewhat overlooked by the sheer number of scandals that have instead dominated this election cycle. So this week we're doing things a little bit differently. Before we have our usual discussion and bring in our wonderful guests. Josh and I are going to have a bit of a chat about the Supreme Court and really get into its intricacies and all the nitty gritty about it. If you think you're an expert in all things Supreme Court related, then jump ahead to five minutes and join us for the discussion. So Josh, I know you've been uh, swatting up on the Supreme Court. Why don't you tell me what you found out? Yeah, so the Supreme Court, uh, which was founded in 1789, is the judicial branch of the US government. It's the highest court in the US, but its main role really is a sort of guardian of the Constitution. So it hears appeal cases that relate to the Constitution. It has powers to prevent or strike down laws that are unconstitutional. And to give you a sense of just how important it is, it can often decide matters of policy that really affect everybody's everyday life. So, Mirren, you might have heard of Roe v. Wade. Yep, sure have. Which is the uh, court decision that sort of justifies US policy on abortion. And that was um, in the early 1970s, uh, a woman who wants to have an abortion in Texas. State didn't allow her to have it. The Supreme Court ended up ruling in 1973 that the constitutional right to privacy extends to this issue. And that's why women in the US are allowed to have abortions today. So hugely, hugely important. And yet the Supreme Court decisions are made by nine people. The incumbent president will appoint them whenever there is a vacancy, which has led to the accusation that they are essentially politicians in fine robes. You know, they tend to vote in accordance broadly with party lines. And very often this means it comes down to a 5-4 split, either 5-4 liberal or 5-4 conservative. One of the most controversial Supreme Court decisions was the 2000 presidential election. I, George Walker Bush, do solemnly swear that I will faithfully execute the office of President of the United States. Do you remember that, Josh? I don't remember it myself. I was a a tiny child, but um, (laughs) I've heard something about it. They decided the result, didn't they? 
Right, yeah, it all came down to the state of Florida, where George W. Bush was leading by about 300 votes, you know, tiny, tiny number. And the Supreme Court in Florida said they wanted a manual recount, but the big Supreme Court overruled them, said it was unconstitutional. Again, 5-4 decision, and that is what got George W. Bush the US presidency. So it's pretty influential, uh, in theory. But at the moment, it's not actually that influential in practice. Um, A guy called Antonin Scalia, who was a conservative judge on the court, died this year. That's left us with a 4-4 stalemate for conservatives, for liberals. Usually, if you're a liberal president like Barack Obama, that would be a chance for you to get one of your team on board. But it hasn't quite panned out like that. No, not at all. Barack Obama appointed a man named Merrick Garland. My heart breaks for Merrick Garland because he was so, so excited to finally get on that bench. This is the greatest honour of my life. Other than Lynn agreeing to marry me 28 years ago. So there you go, Merrick Garland overcome with emotion, as understandably, to be on the Supreme Court. But the Senate, which, remember, is Republican-controlled, has blocked his appointment. They have basically said that a president in his final year should not be able to appoint a Supreme Court justice. And, as you say, Josh, we're now in this 4-4 stalemate. So there's this one seat up for grabs. There's probably three more. Since 1971, the average age of retirement for a judge on the court has been just under 79. Whoa, it's older than Donald Trump. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's it, the whole American establishment is full of very old people, there, basically. But um, yeah, the average age of retirement has been a, a sprightly seventy-nine, and three justices on the court are currently over that age already. So it seems reasonable to assume that the next president may well get to appoint at least one of those. And that brings us to now in the most recent presidential debate, the third one. Uh, both candidates, Donald Trump and Hillary Clinton, were asked specifically about the Supreme Court. For me, that means that we need a Supreme Court that will stand up on behalf of women's rights, on behalf of the rights of the LGBT community, that will stand up and say no to Citizens United. The justices that I'm going to appoint will be pro-life. They will have a conservative bent. Uh, They will be protecting the Second Amendment. So hardly surprising then. Trump's going down the very conservative route. Hillary Clinton's going down the more liberal route. The question remains, What will voters decide? And ultimately, which president is going to be shaping the future of the Supreme Court? Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a -a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. 
That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. So we've got a couple of great guests in here today to discuss this with us. I'm going to let them introduce themselves to you. Thank you. I'm Mark Bergman. I'm an American. I've been living in London for the last 15 years or so. I'm a corporate lawyer by day. The rest of the time uh, focused on uh, doing my best to uh, see Hillary and uh, Tim elected as the next president and vice president of the United States. I'm Diana Shaw-Clark. I've been living in London for 17 years. I arrived just before the election uh, that was decided by Supreme Court decision in favor of George Bush, and I have spent my time here uh, devoted to organizing Americans living abroad in support of Democratic Party candidates. Right, so we've got clearly two big Democrats here. And so I think the first question has to be, if Hillary Clinton gets elected, will Merrick Garland finally get his seat on that bench? Do we think she's going to make him a Supreme Court justice? Well, I think the the odds are in his favor because she wouldn't have a big confirmation fight over him. He is well-respected among conservatives as, and liberals would be willing to accept him. Um, so it's, it's quite possible. She also has a, a prior relationship with him. But I think that largely because she doesn't want to come in with a big fight on her hands, that that would make it more likely than not that she will go ahead. And also to honor Obama's choice. Because the, the feeling is, isn't it, that if the Republicans were to block him, they might end up with a more, even more liberal candidate someday. Well, that's, I guess, the question, whether there is a chance that he comes up before the Senate before the term ends or whether it's left to, to Hillary uh, following the election. The other, we will know November 9th, our time here, not only who has won um, at the, the president and vice president level, but also the makeup of the Senate, which will be significant uh, for this issue and a variety of other issues because at the end of the day, it's the president and only the president uh, who can nominate a Supreme Court justice, and it is only the Senate that can approve or decide not to approve that at a confirmation hearing. That kind of leads on to, to another point that I think has been worrying quite a few people. If the Republicans do hold the Senate, what's that going to mean for the Supreme Court? Because we, we all heard that rather worrying interview that Senator John McCain gave on the Dom Giordano radio show. We will be united against any uh, Supreme Court nominee that um, that Hillary Clinton, if she were president, would okay. put up. And, uh, I, I promise you. And he's, he's sort of gone back on it subsequently because I think his people were like, what are you saying? But is it likely that the Republicans will continue to block Supreme Court appointments? The thing to keep in mind with uh, the statements of McCain and others is that a variety of things will be said in the context of an election campaign. And I would hope that given our expectation around the Senate, uh, that messages will have been sent and received uh, as to whether or not Washington is broken and what needs to be done about it. So and I think a good we need deal to put of that. it is bluster um, that they want to make sure that their base are with them. So they're promising their base that they will block all of these things. But they're finding that being short one justice on the Supreme Court is not going their way. There are a lot of cases that the conservatives would have liked to have heard that the court has declined Can you to give consider. us some examples? There have been uh, gun control cases that have come up before them to affirm 
Heller, the decision that gives people more freedom to carry guns. And there have been several reproductive rights cases that the court has declined to consider in this environment. So it it really isn't playing the way that they had anticipated or hoped. They're going to have to make some decisions about some actual appointees. And right now, it's time for them to bluff so that they keep their their core constituents with them. Because if you look at the makeup of the court today, so you had nine justices, you now have eight. Of those eight, you have four that would be viewed as liberal, you have three that would be viewed as conservative, and you have a swing vote. And that swing vote could go either way. The others we've seen, Justice Roberts, who on a few occasions did what was not expected of him in terms of his background uh, and why he is there, who appointed him. And is he traditionally conservative? He is. He is the chief justice. Um, But yet, again, on more than one occasion, uh, he has voted with a liberal majority. That needs to be kept in mind because, as Diana says, when you've got four to four, if it's not obvious, and then one of those, the eighth, could go either way, and Kennedy being that swing vote, it's not in their, the Republicans' interest, the conservatives, let's put aside Democrat and Republican for a moment, but conservatives are the strict constructionists. The words of the Constitution were written way back when, and they need to be given effect, versus those that view the Constitution as a living document and needs to move uh, with the times. And the other, the subtext of all of this is that it is the social issues uh, that at least historically have been very much a focus or focal point of elections, this election being unprecedented. Issues haven't really figured one way or the other. But it is the social issues uh, that for a foreign audience looking at the U.S. scratch their heads and wonder, why are people still talking about women's reproductive rights? Why are we still talking about the Second Amendment? Why are we talking about voter rights and voter enfranchisement or disenfranchisement? So if you go through that list, these are very much issues of the day. And That is why there's so much emotion associated with this particular question. And at the end of the day, I think people will have different views as to why this election is so important. But for a number of people on both sides, it is the ability to set the agenda for the next 25 years, if you think about the age of at least three of the justices. And that's why, although we've seen that the numbers, these are the two most unpopular nominees in the history of electoral politics in America, but they'll be able to get out the, the, the most reluctant of the voters in both parties. It's the Supreme Court that will get them to the polls, because people who don't like Hillary Clinton for whatever reason, if you, you know, when they think of what really, really is going to matter to them in the next four to eight years, it's going to be these decisions on the issues that Mark just mentioned. And when you go to, say, the evangelicals who find absolutely everything else about Donald Trump loathsome, they don't want the Supreme Court justices to be chosen by Hillary Clinton. So they will come out for him for the court. So on both sides, even though the actual issues themselves haven't really come into play that much because character has been the overriding issue. It will bring people to the polls who might otherwise just say, ugh, and and stay home. And Trump kind of seems aware of this. He's sort of tried to turn in interviews uh, 
the conversation towards the kind of list that he released of, of potential uh, Supreme Court nominees. If Hillary Clinton, for some reason, wins, your country will never be the same because she's going to put disasters on the Supreme Court. Presumably those comments made with in mind what Diana was just talking about um, rather than necessarily because he fully believes that. He, he put out a list, didn't he, of potential nominees. Why, why, yes. Why, why was that a smart move? He did. It, well, it wasn't. It didn't seem to have much traction at all. Mm. But he put out a list to essentially prove his conservative bona fides. And he needed that because there's all these questions. Is he really a Republican? Is he really a conservative? And so this was a way of allaying those, well, his attempt to allay those concerns. Hillary Clinton has not done the same. She has not released it because she doesn't need to, why should she provoke people when she doesn't have to? And if she puts out a list that liberal Democrats find too conservative, she's got a fight on her hands that she really doesn't need. If she puts out a list that more conservative or that the Republican crossover votes or independents find too liberal, she's going to have a fight on that side. So she doesn't have to do it. So why would she? Whereas he had something to prove with an ideological base that wasn't quite sure he was with them. And so for him, it, it made sense. He's given us a list, I think, of 20 judges, a man who does nothing by small measures. So wh what are they like? Have we got a lot of Scalia's on that list? I don't know how, how well you know the judges on the list. There's no one of really any standing that has been recognized as someone who would be at the level. No, there's no one who really, who you'd say, well, that's a that's a great choice. Oh, I agree, and it's consistent with uh, those who he has cited uh, as economic advisors, those he has cited as his foreign policy advisors. Um, At least as then, far as we know, there are no Russian agents among exactly. them. <laughs> as but far that's as about we know. Yeah, say. you know, you, you joke about Russian agents and things. I mean, there were some crazy rumors flying around at one point, which we should stress a you know, definitely rumors and have been vociferously denied. I But um, you know, Peter Thiel was a name uh, floated the the the, the, the sort of name. absolutely. Yeah, and absolutely. like what that raised a bit of a kind of stink. And for, for audiences who aren't necessarily American, you know, what what would we be expecting from a Supreme Court nominee? Then, when you say that Trump's nominees are not necessarily, uh, you know, the kind of stature we would be expecting, what what makes a great pick for for this kind of thing? One should be able to look at the writings whatever else that person has done over time as a lawyer, as a justice, as a judge, uh, in other contexts. Keep in mind, by the way, that the Constitution doesn't require that a Supreme Court nominee be a lawyer or a judge. Seriously? Mm -hmm. Seriously. No, it's it ironic doesn't. because oh you have citizenship, age, and residency requirements for president, for members of Congress, but when it comes to justices on the Supreme Court, there are no requirements. Now, it turns out I did need to check on this. Uh, it turns out that everyone who has served on the Supreme Court was a lawyer. Now, that doesn't mean they went to law school because going back over time, you could become a lawyer, a member of the bar without having gone to law school. But every one of those judges, everyone serving on the court was at one point or another time a judge.
And looking forward to the future, sort of the next four years, maybe even the next eight years, what can we expect the Supreme Court to be addressing? I know that's hard to say because cases, you know, crop up over time. But is there anything that they're likely to make judgments on, whether that's Second Amendment or women's reproductive rights? There's a whole roster of things lined up. The most interesting one will be around voting rights and campaign finance reform because Secretary Clinton has said uh, that this is one of her priorities, rightly so, to get significant money out of um, the electoral process. And there are three ways of doing that. It's the Supreme Court, Congress, constitutional amendment. Um, She has, I think, with a little more enthusiasm that may be warranted, raised the prospect of a constitutional amendment. That is incredibly, incredibly difficult. Congress, unlikely. So that leaves the Supreme Court. They'll need to have a really good case. And it's hard without knowing all the legal nuances what that good case would be to bring to challenge the decision that was made that just unleashed this this no holds barred on financing. I would be really happy if they made my job obsolete. Um, (laughs) Then maybe I could concentrate on advocacy rather than on fundraising, and I know that most of the candidates I've worked with, as Mark has, would really prefer to be using their time to deal with constituency issues and not with fundraising. And Mirren touched on back there the reproductive rights issue as well, which, as we've already said, is something that Trump is trying to kind of highlight as a potential, um, I was about to say Trump card there, that would be, I should have said that, an only Trump (laughs) card, and that would have been a great pun. Um, Anyway, he's trying to highlight this as as something with voters. Is that something the court could potentially... Have some sort of well, it is still a big. I mean, next. you can't walk by the Supreme Court without seeing protesters who are holding pictures of aborted fetuses and calling, referring to the justices as murderers. And so, it is a live issue in America. And but could the court uh, do anything about it feasibly in the next few years? Well, if there are any number of cases, some of them pertaining to early term or medically acquired, what the conservative base would refer to as partial term abortions. So there there are a number of cases queued up. And keep in mind, by the way, that cases don't just magically appear in front of the Supreme Court. They wind their way through the process of taking women's reproductive rights. As an example, uh, people spend a lot of time thinking about, as Diana Uh, mentioned, what is the right case? What is the case that is likely to produce good law as opposed to either no law or bad law? And it was in that third presidential debate that, you know, the question of the Supreme Court was really brought to the fore um, and the candidates spent a long time discussing it. So now that we're coming up to November 8th, how important do you think the Supreme Court will start to be when it comes to, perhaps as you as you mentioned earlier, Diana, persuading those evangelicals that perhaps they should cast a vote for Trump? Well, that is probably the last straw that they're going to grasp at, given everything that they have come to learn about Donald Trump. And it's also what they're hearing in church. There are a lot of pastors in the small dependent evangelical congregations who are saying that the court needs to be changed um, and so that they so they are encouraging uh, their parishioners to to vote for Trump even while acknowledging his shortcomings um, 
And again, with Hillary Clinton, I think that that's I think that's pretty much resolved in the minds of voters. I don't think it's going to get out any extra voters. I don't think at this stage they're going, who would I rather have choosing the Supreme Court justices? I think that for them, you know, the so-called reluctant Clinton supporters, that's probably the issue. So there have been people who've supported Bernie Sanders and then said, well, maybe I'll support Donald Trump because I was supporting Bernie Sanders because I wanted to blow everything up. I wanted to. And Donald Trump's going to blow everything up. But then if you look them in the eye and say, Supreme Court, (laughs) they'll get, okay, right. They back off. And more often than not, they've been deciding that they're going to vote for for Hillary Clinton. But I think that for them, that decision's made. For Trump voters, it might be a little bit more of a a last-minute thing that gets them to the polls. Otherwise, they, they probably won't go. Yeah, no, no, I agree completely with Diana that when you look at the positions, the experience, what Secretary Clinton has stood for for however many years, to most voters, it's very clear. And there may be a number, take that large group of independents who are single, college-educated white women who will make decisions based on positions that uh, Secretary Clinton has laid out that touch on a variety of of these social issues, again, whether it's women's reproductive rights, reasonable gun control measures, campaign finance reforms, and those have all been on the litany of issues that uh, she has cited throughout the campaign, as has Tim Kaine. Um, So they're not necessarily thinking, I need to vote for her because of, but rather my views, my values, how I feel about these social issues resonate with Secretary Clinton's and whether or not, and as Diane said, I supported her, whether I was a Bernie supporter, whatever else, nonetheless, this is the right decision to make. Whereas on the the single-issue conservative Republican side, that Supreme Court issue is in the back of their minds. And it's being fanned. It's being fanned by Senate candidates, by Trump himself. And it's a great way to galvanize the masses, you know, whether it's vote for Secretary Clinton and your guns will be taken away. Vote for Secretary Clinton and it's, you know, just that dog whistle or maybe not so dog whistle. Yeah, it's pretty you know, out, it's quite out there. Well, look, thanks, uh, guys, both for coming in. I think that's about all we've got time for. Thank you for, for giving us your thoughts. Thanks to everyone at home for listening. You can find us on Acast, on iTunes, on SoundCloud. You should subscribe to us on Acast and iTunes. You should give us a rating. You should basically spend all your time giving us every possible effort you can to get us listened to by more people. Otherwise, go to newsweek.com, pick up a copy of Newsweek in the shops. Thanks very much. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hold up. 
What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Mm. 